can kick your fancy ales, you can take them by the flagon, but the only food for the raven too comes from the green dragon. The spider lay dead beside him, and his sword blade was stained black. Somehow the killing of the giant spider all alone by himself in the dark without the help of the wizard or the dwarves or anyone else made a great difference to Mr. Baggins' flies and spiders. After their narrow escape from Azog's hunters, Thorin's company press on into the oppressive gloom of Mirkwood. However, danger soon strikes as spiders, drawn to the weary travellers, swarm to capture the dwarves and make of them a great feast. Each of the dwarves is now a prisoner, enrobed in bonds of sticky spiders' webs. This is the Green Dragon Podcast. I'm Jeremy and this is Nick. Hello. And we're going to do a scenario spotlight of the two flies and spider scenarios from the Desolation of Smog book, which of course everyone bought from Games Workshop and you sold a handful of copies of. But go get a copy of this if it's still around. Go go find it because this is some good scenarios. It's good not stuff. in PDF because, yeah, they don't do that. Not an official PDF, but you might be able to find some. Someone might have one. Who knows? I don't know anything about that. Okay, Nick, let's talk about the Flies and Spiders Part 1. Yeah, really fun scenario. Let's talk about the layout to start with. So it takes place deep within a twisted, the twisted undergrowth of Mirkwood. So what you really want to set it up on is a 4 by 4 board and lots of trees and foliage and, and some rocks and that sort of thing. Did you realise, have you looked at the picture in this, that your table actually looks better than the picture I feel like someone got the instructions to incorporate as many games workshop terrain pieces because you can see it, the image of a realm of battle board and you can see all that sort of stuff. And look, I do like my terrain. What I don't do in the, the rules for setting games in Mirkwood, it says you need to have 33 to 50% of your battlefield covered with groves or tree helps to give it a heavily wooded look. This is massive. 50% is huge. There's almost, by the time you move it out, it's almost more woods than not. Mm. And I'm not sure they actually realize how many, many trees this is. It's so, kind of impractical. It is a little bit, so especially with the big base of the spiders. So I I put a lot of trees in there, but I also put a lot of rocks and things as well because they're not as they don't dominate the battlefield in the same way that the trees do. Mm. And they do still interrupt the game and interrupt the movement. And it still looks kind of congested and, and busy anyway. Yeah, I think that's the main thing is have a busy board with not a lot of open area. Yeah. And we've got a river in there as well, which is another way to do some terrain. Yeah, the people in Mirkwood, they've got to get some water from somewhere. There has to be water, yes, absolutely. Otherwise, there wouldn't be such luscious trees. That's right. That's right. Cool. So, participants in this one, lots and lots of them. Bilbo Baggins with the One Ring and Sting. So, he doesn't have a mithril coat, which I think we got a bit confused about earlier Yeah, he gets the mithril coat as a prize for going and stealing from a dragon. So, he doesn't have it yet. Because they haven't seen the dragon yet. And then uh, there's six Mirkwood spiders on the evil side. Yep. So these are the models that came out with the Desolation of Smaug. Spiders on a 60 mil base, fantastic spider models. We're talking about as well that we thought that maybe the designers thought they're going to come in a box of six plastic ones because they've designed them in multiples of six. What they did come out as is the resin with multiples of two for a quite an expensive price. Mm. So six, six of them there, it's a big investment in terms of money for only seven models. I'm quite lucky because I just use your stuff. So I never had to buy them. So we recommend that for all the listeners as well. Just just come over and use my stuff. Yeah, just use Jeremy's stuff. Easy. So, so with the starting positions, the evil player places three markers on the board. Two of these represent dwarves. The other is a decoy. And the evil player is supposed to slate this in secret. But when we played, we just randomized it because we couldn't be bothered bookkeeping. I think so. And I like randomizing this stuff because it takes away that bluff element. Like if the evil player doesn't actually know either... It makes it really quite confusing. But you can add a bit of bluff element in there. Basically, the difference is 
Bilbo either is going to go rescue two piles of dwarves or three piles of dwarves, essentially. That's that's the, the gameplay part of it, yeah. Yeah. And so these can be placed in any terrain, even in trees, if your scenery looks scalable. Now, I've never used rules for climbing trees, but, you know, if you if you want to use them, go for it. Yeah, I, I think that would be difficult to pull off, but it'll look fantastic if you did have the dwarves in the trees with webs there. And then the player then positions his Mirkwood or her Mirkwood spiders, by the way, at least six inches away from one another. Finally, um, the good player places Bilbo Baggins touching any board edge and he starts the game wearing the ring. So you pretty much spread the spiders out all over the board. There's not a lot of coverage for the spiders in terms of at the actual board. So there's there's a few of them there. Some of them are going to get lost in the scenario and disappear. Some of them will, will interact with Bilbo. But initially, it looks like Bilbo's up against it, against six spiders. It looks tough, doesn't it, when it's when you first put it on the board? You do, but then you find out that he only really ever takes on two spiders at a time. So he's not too bad. And there's some special rules to help him out as well. Yeah. So there's Atacop Lazy Lob. In this scenario, Bilbo Baggins thrown stone rules, it becomes a throwing weapon as well. So he can throw it when he's charging, he can move and throw it so he doesn't have to do the uh, the stop and um, and pick up a stone. And also on a turn that he charges, he gets plus one fight and plus one attack. So he actually is a bit better in combat than he normally is. He is. I think the throwing weapon is particularly useful because it means that he can threaten the spiders from eight inches away Yeah, quite pretty much all the time. And with defense three, the spiders do go down to rocks quite often. Yeah, because he's hitting pretty well. He's like, when he moves, he's hitting on fours. So Yeah, so he does does hit and then fives to wound. So good chance of wounding a spider. And then a spider that's taken a wound, you're much more likely to charge into combat with that one extra attack. That's right. The fight value I found didn't make a huge difference because the spiders are fight two. He's fight three. It means you could have a go at fainting if you really wanted to. But once again, that's a huge risk to mm. to most of the time be be down to their level. Yeah, it does. And- I found the same thing. It didn't really affect the scenario at all, having two extra fight as opposed to just being higher. No, if you could add even a plus two to your fight instead of the plus one, the yep. fate becomes only a third of the chance you're going to be drawing it. Yeah. But the fact that you could still lose the fight, you really don't want to with two attacks be down on fight value. It's just too much of a penalty. So so you were sa- you're saying, if if I'm correct, that stats of the models really don't matter in this not really. Although I am forgetting something. He's got the ring. So the ring halves your fight value. So the spiders will be fight one. One, yeah, that's right. So what right. that means is if he does faint, it's only on the three, he brings it down. So I guess I've just gotten wrong with the two plus fight. Yep. Still, I still don't want to risk drawing mm. a fight. I think it's, you want to just stay ahead on fight. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So the other special rule, oh, there's two others, but the second one is old Tom Noddy can't spy me. So the spiders have no idea where the hobbit is while he wears a one ring. Each turn, the evil player takes a courage test for each spider prior to moving it. Uh, if they pass the test, then the evil player controls the spider, and if they fail, the good player controls it. Now, the spiders also move a random number, which is D6, So, and they have to move their full allotment. So if you roll a six, you've got to move six, um, and it just depends whether you're um, being controlled by good or evil. And so therefore, they can't. the only way that they can charge is to randomly move into Bilbo. Yeah, so... Initially, the first time I played this, I got this confused and thought they still had to attempt to charge and, and did the courage test for the ring. But no, they have to be moved. And basically, if they just bump into Bilbo, they end up charging him. So that's it's not like they're intending... Well, they're trying to find him, but it's more chance than anything they actually get there. So that does help out a lot with the, the ring. The ring essentially is there to, to mitigate fight value, mostly, yeah. and stop him being shot at with the... The paralyzed. The paralyzed, yeah. yeah. So he really can't get paralyzed in this one, which would really ruin the game. I think that's game over as soon as he gets paralyzed. So that's good that they've removed that. Here's one that we did wrong. If a spider moves into base contact with Bilbo Baggins, they will fight and any other Mirkwood spiders yet to move that turn automatically pass their courage test. 
Oh, that's huge. Yeah, yeah we, 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 we should have done that. Although... How often would it come up? Yeah, it didn't really come up at all. But spoiler alert, we, we won't tell you anything yet, just yet. And then the, finally, the, uh, the last rule is rescuing dwarves. Amidst the tangled roots and branches, the dwarves are imprisoned. If Bilbo Baggins is touching a marker in the end phase, roll a dice. On a 3+, the evil player must remove the marker and reveal if, it's concealed, if it conceals dwarves or not. But of course, what we did, we rolled a 3+, and then on the first one, on a 1 or a 2, it didn't contain dwarves. And then if, if it did contain dwarves, the second one, we did a, a 50-50. So, yep. a 1, 2, 3 to see if it did or didn't. Yep. So, should we go over the designer's note? Yeah, let's read the designer's um, note. This scenario offers an opportunity for the good player to reenact what is perhaps Bilbo Baggins' defining moment as he duels with spiders and rescues his friends. However, he cannot risk fighting the spiders openly. This is an odd scenario for the evil player. It is less important to stop the dwarves being rescued than it is to kill the hobbit. So, focus on that. Oh, yeah, you can't you can't stop the dwarves being rescued. You've got very little control over it. So, whenever you can, you kill the hobbit. Honestly, as the evil player, you've got very little control over anything. Yeah. And um, we're commenting as we were playing that you could almost play this scenario as a single player. You could, as long as you set the rule that the evil player must move as close to Bilbo as possible at every chance. Yeah. And that the good player, like if the good wins a priority, you must move directly away. Yeah. I think you'd easily play it. That's most of the tactics involved. I think the designer notes basically saying don't camp the spiders on top of an objective and wait. Yeah. Like just be proactive with them. And that's true because half the time they're going to be disappearing backwards anyway. That's right. So if you try and stay in a spot, you're going to end up further away. Yeah, absolutely. Did we talk about starting positions yet? Yeah, we did. We yep. did. We mentioned the spiders are all over the middle and then Bilbo's on one edge. Yeah, that's right. Um, and the objectives. Bilbo Baggins must rescue the dwarves. A good player wins the game if the hobbit frees the dwarves by revealing both of the correct markers or, or kills all of the spiders. Uh, if he's slain before this, the evil player wins instead. There's no way to draw. It's do or die. Yeah. One model scenarios are tough, aren't they? Yeah, I've, I found it a lot more interesting than I thought a one model scenario would be. But having said that, I've only played two of those. I played the um, the Beyond one, which was quite good. But yeah, it was it was tough because you don't you can't faint with anything. Well, you can faint in terms of when you're using Sting, but you can't send some stuff up one direction and then move the other way. You've only got one model, and it's kind of trying to get somewhere as quickly as you can. It was a difficult one. But sometimes it's not about getting as quick as you can because if you see two spiders in your path, you might want to go in the opposite direction and wait for them to split up again. That's right, and then take the run at it because. He can deal with one spider for a little bit of time, but not for very long. And yeah. when he has to deal with two, he's pretty much dead. And that's that's when he we lost him a few times. Yeah. You almost you want, want to do a wound to a spider before you're willing to charge in and try and finish it off. And so a lot of the game, you're trying to stay out of charge range and still shoot with, with the stones and just try and get lucky and, and do a couple of wounds. And you have your point of might, so you really want to conserve that mm. if you have to for a heroic move at some point or... A, yeah. A march would be good use for it, I think, at times, yeah. but um, just to outrun the spiders a little bit, because your spiders are only moving maybe three, four inches on average, yeah. and a lot of times they're moving away from you anyway, so yeah. they're not particularly fast. Bilbo's pretty quick in this scenario. Yeah, compared. Well, he's really the only model that's completely under the control of the player. Absolutely, and as an evil player, the tactical side of it is really just your placement, your markers, put them in the terrain, mm. slow down Bilbo if you can. If you're allowed to put him up a tree, do put him up a tree. Yep. Make him take as long as time to get it because you need to buy time for your spiders to go and, and take him down. Yeah. It's interesting scenario as well that I think you could play this one and there'll be a lot of times when no model dies at all. Yeah, I think so because if you happen to get lucky enough that you're controlling the spiders when you're playing as Bilbo, you just move them away. And we had a couple of instances late in, in the second game we played of this where spiders were just running towards the corners. Yeah, I had I was playing evil in that second scenario and I had, had all six spiders ready to go. 
there's two in one corner of the board and in the opposite corner of the board, there was another two. Yeah. So I only had two active, but they were enough. They yeah. managed to get Bilbo. They did, right? That was pretty tense right at the end. Bilbo was almost, I think he was about five millimeters away from being in base contact with the last pile of dwarves and it came down to the very last combat. The spider ended up winning and, and taking Bilbo's last wound off. It was a great game for a story point of view because yeah. he went. He pretty much saved the first lot of dwarves pretty easy, but they were the duds. Yeah. So he walked in, got the duds. Then he came into a forest and there was two spiders guarding that forest and these were the two spiders that were his nemesis the whole game. Yeah. And he managed to fight them off, rescue the dwarves and then run away and escape them. Yeah. Yep. But then they came back towards the end just as it was on the dwarves essentially and they both got really courageous. They yep. both moved incredibly fast and got each had a shot at him in combat. Yeah. He Bilbo killed kill one. one. Yeah, he yeah. killed the first one. The second one then turned around in the turn where he would have got the objective and would have had a roll at the objective. So it would have been a three plus to win. Yeah. Some phenomenal rolling on my half. And I have I thought I'll save the good rolling for that very last part because that's really important to that, me. Definitely. Just save it. Yep. And then he spider charged in, managed to win the combat and end Mr. Baggins' life. Yeah or, yeah. or paralyze him or just hold him off. He did save a bunch of dwarves. So maybe those other dwarves managed to come back and rescue him anyway. at the end. Yeah, I think so. I think if, if that's, this was part of a campaign, I feel like the dwarves would have come on and rescued him. Yeah, you don't, wouldn't say it's a beer. He just, it wasn't him doing all the rescuing, so he can't brag about it like he did in the books. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was, would have been an insufferable traveling companion in the books. He would have been terrible. He was, all yeah. he does is talk, one, he does everything. And two, all he does is tell everyone how good he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the dwarves are just such bumbling idiots. Yeah, they are. They're they, just fools. They did nothing. And, and the movies, it was slightly different. But still, there's... He would have been hard to travel with Baggins. Mm, yeah, very difficult. And he forgot his handkerchief, so he's going to be borrowing people's handkerchief all the time. Yeah, exactly. You, you know, uh, yuck. Not good. So this scenario, is it something we recommend? Is it something that's worth giving a try? I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun, and definitely I would be giving it a try. Yeah. I think the, the main obstacle for most people is not the board. The board itself is a pretty standard one, mm. but getting the models of spiders. And yeah. I would have no problem with people just proxying in the, the 640 mil base for yep. the spiders i don't think the 60 mil base makes any difference whatsoever in this scenario because mm. you're moving randomly anyway yeah so i think just playing with the merkwood spider rules on the the other spiders i can't remember what they're called giant spiders yeah would be absolutely fine in this scenario would not make a single bit of difference yeah because not everyone has trees space the same um same width that we have here so you know you just set it up in such a way that if you want some of the trees to block some spider movement you just put them closer together yeah you can manipulate your board if, if you want and and if you want to make it harder for Bilbo, you can put more difficult terrain around if you want to make it... Because the spiders have the woodland creature so they can go through things. Yeah, we got them... Because they were moving D6, we got them ignoring terrain completely, didn't oh, we? Oh, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Yep. So, so, they ignore the terrain. So, the more terrain will make it harder for Bilbo. Yeah. And if you do want to balance the scenario and make it more challenging, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the courage really takes it out of the evil player's hands a little bit because, you know, you need to roll an 8+, plus, which is... It's not impossible, but it's not great odds. Yeah, if you really wanted to to make it hard for Bilbo. If your Bilbo was just a hero and, and an insufferable prat, you could just up the courage of the spiders as well and that mm. would that would really make it difficult for Bilbo. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We found it that Bilbo got close but lost both the times. Both he, times, yeah. Just just one lucky loss to a spider, which is actually not that lucky. Yeah. He he's defence three. The spiders do a huge amount of wounds. Strength five, aren't they? They're strength five. So yeah. he's oh sorry, he's defence three. So three plus the wound, re-rolling yeah. ones. They're going to take wounds. Yeah. And he's, he's only got two of them. Yeah, he's got two of them. He's got the three fate, but with only one might, it's not yeah. the reliable, the, more the most reliable way of yeah. of staying alive. 
So good scenario, but I wouldn't really... My recommendation is don't put it together unless you're really planning to do the next one as well, part yeah. two. Because I think if you're going to do them, do both. Yeah, it's a good prelude for the second one. It's not something that you're going to go back to, I think, all the time and make it your main game. It's it's Lord of the Rings with it. I don't know. I feel like this is really the definition of a beer and pretzel game where the game's telling you the story. Yeah. You're getting some control, but really not a lot. And we were both cheering for Bilbo in both yeah. the scenarios, no yeah. matter if we're playing good or evil. We wanted Bilbo to win. Yeah. And I feel like this is a really good chapter in a campaign. I don't know that this scenario, it wouldn't be a, a Saturday evening, yeah, let's play this scenario. But I feel like as the prelude to a scenario or, or part of a campaign, I, th- I think it's a really good one. The game actually goes longer than I expected as well for for one model on one side and six on the other to play it to the extent you could lose quickly, but you can't win quickly mm. as Bilbo. You, you're going to win a bit slowly. So yeah, it takes right. a while to do that. We found a way to speed it up with the dice rolls for the spiders. You had to roll a courage test. So yes. two dice for a courage test. And then you had to roll one for a random movement. And in the second game, we found that if you roll two dice of one color for your courage test and one of a different color, it sped it up so much because you're only doing one roll and you could work out the result just on those dice. That's right. Because yeah. you knew the two dice pass or fail courage and the last one how far so that made it quick and oftentimes I was over one side of the board you were over the other side of the board Nick and, and I just, just said moving move, move towards Bilbo yeah. moving away from Bilbo and we just knew what we were doing anyway so yeah. working as a team sped it up and it was a good fun we're pretty high end gamers though we're pretty tactical yeah, especially in a game like this we yeah. got to show off all our tactics yeah that's right yeah my dice roll at the end just to win it was mm. fantastic it was amazing yeah so this one gets a thumbs up from me uh, the only criticism I have really is just the investment in, in the models. It's not easy to get that many sp- six spiders. Such fair, expense. Fair, yeah, fair investment. Now we move on to the next one. Ooh. And Bilbo was dancing about and waving his sting. That That's a really... Double entendre right there. Keep reading. quite awkward. And hundreds of angry spiders were goggling at them, all around and about and above. It looked pretty hopeless. Flies and spiders. Mm, you got to watch out for waving your stinger. Oh, no. Be careful with that, Bilbo. Yeah, it could, could hurt someone. Despite... No wonder the spiders were goggling. Oh, yeah, you would goggle. Damn these lobs. Despite Bilbo Baggins' amazing heroics, the dwarves' situation looked grim. They are feeble from their poisoning and barely able to defend themselves, and more spiders are swarming around them with every passing moment. Unless help comes quickly, all be lost. Lucky your help does come quickly. Yeah, certainly that's how I felt help was quite expedient in uh, in this scenario, which was good. So we're doing Flies and Spiders Part 2. Pretty much the same board. What we did to change the board was just clear the middle a little bit. So there was less terrain in the center of the board. Mm. Um, I found the first scenario worked really well with lots of terrain in the center. Whereas this one, I think a little bit in the center and a lot on the sides works a bit better. Yeah, absolutely. The participants for the good models are Thorin, Barlin, Dwalin, Philly, Killy, Owen, Glowen, Ori, Nori, Dory, Biffa, Bofa, Bomba, Bilbo. So the company without Gandalf, because he's not in Mirkwood. Yeah, you could have just said Thorin's company without Gandalf. I could, I could but I could have even made it longer by reading all their Balan the Dwarf. Kili, oh, the yeah, dwarf. their titles. Yeah, because they've got to avoid copyright. It's ridiculous how they've written this. <laughs> then you get Legolas Greenleaf. So this is the two-attack Legolas from mm. the Desolation Smell book, which is the same as the Fellowship one, I yep. believe. You get Tariel with the bow, mm. and you get 24 Mirkwood Rangers. Huge amount of good models. That's a lot of numbers. Yep. And then for the evil models, you get 18 Merkwood spiders. 18 Merkwood spiders. So if six is a difficult 
amount to get because of the expense. What's it like to have 18? This is almost insurmountable. It's yep. huge. I was never planning to get 18. Like 18 was just a massive amount. So, But I ended up buying a couple and loved the model so much and mm. then found I was doing that. I actually got pretty much all the spiders in Australia to just do this scenario yeah. at release. They gave one pack per store. So this That's is one of so those, out of control. It's one of those ridiculous examples of they don't intend to sell anything. They're just going to put it out there. And yeah. And I felt it was a shame that, that they made it so unattainable for so many people. Mm. For this one, I honestly recommend getting some spiders from other companies or, or maybe yeah. some others. Put them on the 60 mil base. 60 mil base does make a difference in this one. Yeah, this is quite important in this one. Yep. Yeah, so... I don't know if they intended to have them on 60 mil base initially. It looks like it's a model base one, but this is it does make a difference. Get them on the 60 mil bases. Uh, maybe get a club together. Maybe get everyone to supply four spiders each and get a bunch of people together mm. and, and play it out. I think it's worth playing, but the yeah, the expense is huge. Yeah, this was a really fun scenario. Mm. So we've talked about the layout. Starting positions, good player positions, Bilbo Baggins and the Dwarves within six inches of the center of the board. Mm-hmm. The evil player then places his models or her models Anywhere on the board, more than 10 inches away from any good model. So pretty much in a, if you put the good models in a circle with the six-inch radius or diameter, what is it? You're it's radius. Teacher. Yep. Yeah, radius. And then what you'll find is that the spiders will go in a 10-inch radius from them. From there. So 16 inches from the center, essentially. Yep. Yeah. And we thought, oh, this is so they can't charge. They only move eight inches, so they definitely can't charge there. Mm. But it's it's a setup. They end up going in the circle and you, you're well advised to go in a full circle because you want to pick on any weaknesses mm. from the dwarves. It's really ominous when you see it on the table, though. You set it up and then there's all these spiders around. They look scary, don't they? Yeah. And you, The dwarves, are, we'll get to the rules in a moment, they're not in the best shape for fighting. So our objectives are the good side has to keep heroes alive. The evil mm. side has to kill heroes. So after 10 turns, 10 turn game. That's like Helm's Deep. Yeah. No, Helm's Deep was 15, I think. Oh, okay. So nowhere near as tense as Helm's Deep. After 10 turns, there are more good heroes alive than dead, mm. including Bilbo Baggins and Thorin. Good player wins. That's pretty tough because... It's a lot to kill. Yeah, because they're all heroes apart from the Rangers. So you've got 13 in the company plus Bilbo, so 14 plus two elf heroes. Yeah. So 16 heroes... You need to kill, kill nine. nine heroes. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And then for evil, you just stop that, essentially. But the game is a draw if more than half the good heroes are alive, but either Bilbo or Thorin has been ex- slain. And I think the evil wins as well. Yes, I'm right. The evil side wins if they just kill Bilbo and Thorin. Yeah, so the sudden two death. Heroes. Yeah. yeah, sudden death one. So you do want to put pressure on those, but honestly, you don't have a huge amount of choice what you go after Mm-mm. in this one either. One thing I found really difficult, I suppose being the special rules, is that you don't know each turn which dwarves are going to be awake. Yeah, so the special rule for that is poison sickness, mm. and the dwarves are suffering terribly from the, spec- from the effects of spider venom. So they start with no mitre will points, which is huge. Mm. So you've gotten Thorin's company in the past. They've been absolute beat sticks. They can kill anything. They can do all kinds of things with their will and might. They're amazing. Suddenly, they're sick. Yeah. Now, and- furthermore, basically at the start of the move phase, we did this before we called heroics. Yeah. You roll, and there's a 50-50 chance that the dwarf's been transfixed for the turn. Yeah, I think it makes more sense to do it before. I think so as well, yeah. So, that's a lot of transfixes. Mm. And we're finding, you know, at least half a turn. Well, it's not a 4+, but yeah, there'd be turns where a whole flank of dwarves would just not be able to move. Because I kept mine in, in a circle, and what you'd find is, you know, three or four in a row would just not move, and then you get some movement on the other side, but it makes it really tough. Yeah, it's tough to... So basically means they're sitting in the center. So it restricts your movements hugely. It also means that you get reduced chances to, kill, to win combats. 
And if you do win a combat, you can't take out the spider. So the spiders right. last a bit longer as well. That's right. Yeah. Woodland Warriors is Legolas and Greenleaf and Tariel have led a band of elves on a ranging patrol and came upon the dwarves just in time. Elves helping out dwarves. I'm not so sure about this. Mm. In the end phase of turn one, so at the end of turn one, the good player deploys all the elves in base contact with a board edge. So they get to see where the spiders are. But essentially, it usually means that they put Tariel on one side, they put Legolas on another side, and then run elves roughly equally. Yep. And then you just run towards the center. You run towards the center. And your aim as a good player is basically to get the elves in the way between the dwarves and the spiders. Yeah. So once you do that, you're in good stead. Yeah. And there's one more rule. Spiderkin, the area swarms with spiders. In this scenario, all ancient groves are automatically spider-infested woods. So basically, you declare some of the terrain, some of the trees as, as groves. We used eight of them at the moment, but you could definitely change the difficulty of the scenario by increasing that or decreasing that. Yeah, you could go up to 10 or 12. or Yeah, I think you could comfortably do 12. This is yeah. the potential to generate spiders. So on a roll of a six, a Merkwood spider is placed. It can't do anything except shoot its web. Yeah. But shooting its web is a pretty good thing to do. Yeah, and... What we did find is that at critical points, another spider would pop down and, and paralyze something or just put a little bit of pressure on, block the board a little bit. For for me as the evil player, I thought, oh, they're not coming enough, whereas yeah. you thought they were turning up too often. So that's a good yeah. thing. But I think with 12, you're going to get on averages to a turn, which which means it really has a something that you need to think about. So we've got another designer's note. And I like these designer's notes because you can't really read the mind of the designer at the all. So it lets them tell you what's going on. The scenario combines events from the novel with those of the film. The last stand of Thorin's company against the spiders, as portrayed in the novel, is depicted in much the same way that they are in the movie. Now, I'm not sure because this was written before the movie script, so it might have changed, but mm. we'll see that. An interesting way to play this scenario is to have the third player take play the place of the elves, but to be forbid him or her to coordinate moves with a player controlling the dwarves. This has an interesting impact of recreating the chaos of the elves' arrival. This will be a great way to make it harder for the good side. Yeah, I think so. Because anytime you play a team game, it's always harder because you end up arguing with each other. Mm. And to be able to essentially not benefit from each other's heroics and things could be really... Yeah. I, I really like the sound of that, actually. I think yeah, that's that, probably a good way of doing it. We should perhaps play that scenario again with someone else. Yeah, we'll grab a third player and away we go. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Well, I've got the, the 18 spiders. Now, I've only got 18 Merkwood spiders. Mm. So we added a special house rule here. Yeah, that you could only have up to 18 on the board at any time. Yeah, now that's going to make a little bit of difference in the start turn. It might make one or two spiders difference mm. over the long run. I do have a couple more that I'm going to put together and paint up and try it with the full amount. Mm. But I think it's a fair way to do that. Just limit yourself to the number of spiders you have because potentially you could get 30 spiders on the board. Yeah. Very, very unlikely. Yeah. But it could happen and then that could throw it off as well. But I think once you get the elves stuck in, you're not really, you're not going to get too many too quickly. Well, really after the first turn, there's, there's going to be spiders dying. Yeah. So they'll, they'll go down and hopefully they'll take some dwarves with them from an evil perspective, but not often. The dwarves are pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They um, It's the fate, the fate that keeps them alive. I mean, no might, no will is is a bit of a hit for the good player, but still having your fate is is good enough to balance it out, I think. And oftentimes you could get enough, enough dwarves that some of the combats you're helping out, so you had two dwarves onto one. That's right. Once it was two dwarves onto one, it was very hard for the spiders to win. Yeah. Spiders love the one-on-ones and they love the paralyze. Yeah. So when they got to shoot a web at you, that's where the dwarves have to, they, they get into a bit of trouble there. But what the dwarves love is when the spiders paralyze themselves. Yes, yeah, that mates. happens a bit. Yeah, it's pretty well, good. It's embarrassing when that happens. And also, your dwarves love to shake off Paralyze pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Not I so had much them. your elves, but your dwarves do. Dwarves, yeah, they were pretty um pretty good at rolling those sixes to get those Paralyze gone. 
Yeah. Paralyze is incredibly powerful because it means you can't do anything and you're going to count as trapped and take double wounds and yeah. automatically. So that is huge. The yep. transfix, we check this up. You can back away from the transfix. So yep. it's not as deadly, but it's still not nice. Most of the dwarves go down to one attack. The fight value oftentimes is still ahead. Mm. So they still win the fights, but they don't have any rerolls for banners or anything like that. That's so it's right. actually quite quite dangerous fighting yeah. the combats. If, if your dwarves get isolated, they'll, they'll go down relatively quickly. So I was a little bit disappointed in this one at the start in that I didn't kill enough dwarves and I knew that it was going to be mm. an uphill battle with me. Nick kept passing his fate. Yeah. Always passing the fate. And this is, I've played this one quite a few times in the past as well. And that seems to happen a lot. The mm. spiders are hoping for more kills than they actually get at the start. Yeah. But they do put the pressure on and they do usually get a quarter of the good side heroes killed quite yeah. comfortably. Yeah. It's whether you can get that quarter up to half. That makes it a real challenge. I, I think the the big thing for this is perhaps trying to put pressure on the sudden death. So really making sure you've always got spiders putting pressure on Bilbo and Thorin. Yeah, you never really want to leave them unengaged. You always want to see if you can throw a paralyze at them if you can. That's right. The other thing is Bilbo's got that point of might and the ability to move freely and never get transfixed. So he's mm. actually one that's worth getting rid of if you can. So yeah. go, go hard at him right at the start in the first couple of turns before the elves get there. Um, dealing with the elves is a tricky tricky choice for their spiders. You can either turn around and deal with the elves or you can basically ignore them or a mm. bit of both. Um, yeah, it's a tough one tactically because once they get stuck in, they just start to block up spiders or if you lose priority, they take spiders away from being able to attack the dwarves. But, you know, they, sh- they should be running towards the center. So it's not going to be too long before they get there. And a spider's very happy to take on an elf one-on-one mm. because one, it doesn't die in that case. And two, yeah. it's it's got the better chance of winning. But once you get two elves or three elves, yeah. spiders are really up against it. Yeah. And you don't replenish them quick enough to throw them away on that sort of thing. That's so right. you want to be pressuring the dwarf. So if you do get a fluky win, you can go kill a dwarf. That's right. That's right. Now, did you like this scenario, Nick? Yeah, I thought it was a really fun one. I mean, I'm a bit of a elfophile i really like using elves and particularly legolas and Toriel. i think they're a lot of fun so any scenario with those guys in them i tend to enjoy but i thought it was i felt the pressure very early on and then it, from an enjoyment point of view once you start to get control and the spiders start to disappear then you get that kind of calm just enjoying the game point of view as well so the no stress part yeah what i liked at the start of the game you were talking about how powerful the elf shooting was yeah and how it was going to dominate and you sort of worked out in your head how amazing it was yeah what happened I think I shot once and that was because there was a river three inches from the board edge. So I moved up three inches, shot for a turn and then just ran straight into the center. The elf combat is so much more powerful in this because you can put your body in the way of the spiders. Yeah. And the spiders do die very quickly to that. Shooting doesn't particularly help you that much. So yeah. as an elf player, it's a real trap to stand back and shoot. You don't yeah. want to do it. If you've got nothing else to do, do it. But yeah. the evil player actually does more shooting. Yeah. And that's the thing. It looked like initially there was going to be two rings of spiders, a ring engaging the dwarves and then a ring behind. So I was thinking, yeah, shooting can be a little bit handy here because you can thin off the back ranks, but that's not the way it ended up. Everyone just kind of ended up in a big mall in the middle. Yeah, I had probably four or five spiders that didn't get into the first charge, yep. but they hung around the forest. Yeah. So you weren't going to get good shots at them anyway. That's right. And a lot of them just stood in the back row and tried to throw paralyzers across their own models, mm. sometimes paralyzing their own spiders, of course. But that's right. it's worth a risk because if you paralyze a dwarf, you've, pretty much going to knock them down that's right so i think um yeah these two scenarios together in conjunction make for a really good afternoon of gaming they did i really enjoy them and the the boards the scenarios themselves look great like the dense forests i think really look quite good and mm. the more terrain you put on all the rings board the better it looks definitely, so it definitely gives you an excuse to throw out lots of terrain 
takes a bit of planning to get those spiders there. The good sides are not particularly hard to field. Like you get the Thorns Company in the box set. The Miracle yep. Elves, it's not a ridiculous amount at all. That's right. Um, it's interesting there's 24 rather than 20 for two boxes again. But I think that's, <laughs> once again, the design is predicting what's going to come out in the boxes and then the people making the models going, no, we're going to do something different. That's right. That's right. So really enjoyable scenarios. They, I do think they give you the feel of what's going on there. The, the dwarves feel a little bit hopeless and the elves do have to come to rescue them. But yep. It really feels like the scene in the movies. Yeah, so I quite enjoy these scenarios. Thumbs up from me. Yep, thumbs up from me, definitely. Get them out. Flies and Spiders from the Desolation of Smaug book. And remember, Paralyzing Winds Games. Absolutely Paralyzing Winds Games. Thank you for listening to the Green Dragon Podcast. Please be advised that the Green Dragon Podcast is not suitable for children, the elderly, pregnant women, those with a history of heart conditions, or anyone expecting to receive worthwhile advice. You can contact us on the Green Dragon Podcasts at gmail.com. Yes, it has an S at the end. Or our Facebook page, The Green Dragon Podcast. We do not claim ownership of any works based on J.R.R. Tolkien, New Line Cinema, Warner Brothers, or Games Workshop. This podcast is purely for entertainment. The thoughts, as rare as they are, are solely that of our hosts and guests. Farewell, listener, until we meet again.